Hey, everyone. This is the Ministry During the Disruption podcast. I'm Peggy Cal Enderly, and I get the privilege of guest hosting today. And my guest is none other than Steve Tamayo, the one that you hear as the host normally. Hey, Steve. Hey, Peggy. How's it going? Great. Great. Thanks for being willing to do this. So you often consider yourself a strategist, and in your work with InterVarsity, you do a lot of strategic work. I find that word pretty abstract. How would you define strategy? So I had the opportunity to go to my kids' bring-your-parent-to-work day sort of thing several months ago before everything shut down. And I described what I did as I make plans that help. As opposed to plans that don't help? Is that how you would describe bad strategy? Yeah. Yeah. You could say good strategy, bad strategy. Bad bad strategy just keeps people busy. It wastes resources. It leads to bad outcomes for organizations or for individuals. Strategists tend to be navigators who figure out how to get around or over obstacles. And there's a lot of that these days. At what point did you realize that you loved strategy and that you might have some talent in it? Well, I think the verdict's still out on that. There's some days where I really love being a strategist, and there's some days where it's really hard because changing course is hard and obstacles are hard and not everyone wants to change, including me. There are times where, where I'm not willing to do what's necessary to, to pivot. And I, I remember years ago when I was an undergrad and was leading in InterVarsity. I was leading a small group in InterVarsity, and we had no one show up over and over, week after week, no one show up. And we almost burned down a dorm trying to bake cookies in order to convince people to show up. And it was just so exhausting and frustrating. And that feeling of no one showing up. And I remember us coming up with the strategy to work around the obstacle of for whatever reason, no one seemed interested in the small group. And as we worked around the obstacle, I don't even exactly remember what we did, but it was so rewarding to see a room full of people who wouldn't have been there three weeks before. So in some ways, strategy is the way in which we can turn the tide on something once we recognize what obstacles are and plan around them. Yeah, and, and in a way, strategy is this thing that the Lord gives us as we walk in step with his spirit is, is let's do this now. This invitation from the Lord, let's do this now. You see that uh, the apostle Paul, you know, he, he wants to go into one region and the spirit keeps stopping him. And then he gets this vision of a man from Macedonia. And he just gets this inkling of a strategy that I should go to Macedonia. And he has it wrong. Because when he gets to Macedonia, it's not a man there waiting for him. It's a woman. He didn't get the strategy perfect. He didn't see that the church plant in Philippi was going to be led by a woman. But he got enough of the strategy to get moving. And I think that's something that we're all trying to figure out these days. And for the past month for InterVarsity, you've been leading the ministry response team as a chief strategist and identifying all these barriers that none of us have ever encountered before. What's that been like for you? It's been both fun and exhausting. 
In the initial weeks after the campus closures happened, we kind of rallied a team together and we were just asking this question of how do we take what we were doing in person and move it online, translate it online. And we knew we weren't going to do it perfectly. We knew that there were some people who didn't need our help with it. We knew that there were going to be some people who weren't ready for it, who needed time to recover from the shock of what had just happened to them. And at the same time, we felt this invitation from Jesus to take a step forward. And it was so fun to hear stories of people who received some training, put it into action, and all of a sudden their sorority sisters who weren't ever available for a Bible study are there on a Zoom call. And it's been really inspiring to hear that. And at the same time, it has been a little bit exhausting. I have been working kind of 60, 70 hour weeks, right? Now, I work for incredible people and I'm so grateful that they've given me an invitation to lead and created space for me to lead and have created an environment where they can still be my supervisor and be in charge, but I can bring my unique gifts to the table. But for me as a mixed person ethnically, I'm Latino and white, there's always this narrative of, do I belong here? Constant radar sweeping around that. And, and that has led to some exhaustion. As we've talked about with some of our guests on uh, the podcast, that layer of ethnic identity for some of us adds just this extra thing that we're dealing with, navigating, holding in this time. You know, earlier this week, I had a friend who's a therapist express her exhaustion as well. And it's both work and I think this environment that's unfamiliar. And so how are you managing and dealing with your exhaustion? Not well. <laughs> no, I mean, just honestly, honestly, like I, I, am, I am learning how to do that on the fly as this season with ministry is also with life. So I'm learning that it helps my family a lot. I've got four kids for me to get up in the morning and make breakfast for everybody, give my wife a slower start to the day. That makes a huge difference on the emotional tone in my household, and that helps me feel less exhausted. I'm learning that I need to take breaks during the day. So like today, I got up, I did an hour of email, got the kids breakfast, and and then I went on a bike ride and managed to take a shower and do a little bit more work before I jumped onto this episode. And that's good for my emotional health. Last week I was having panic attacks. And I think part of the reason was because I wasn't taking the time to, to exercise, taking the time to connect relationally with my family. And I think part of this podcast being called Ministry During the Disruption, it sounds like disruption has thrown all of us off kilter. And we're all trying to find our ways back to some sort of balance. And I think we're all trying to find that balance, that that balance is achievable, but to to pursue that so that we're not crispy at the end of all this. I would also say that for some of us, because of our temperament or our upbringing or something about us, when there is a disruption and when there is a chaos, 
there's something in us that kicks into gear. I was talking to uh, an area director in New York about this, and he described it as New York's hustle mentality. And he says, not everyone in New York is wired this way, but there are a significant number of New Yorkers who, when chaos erupts, they hustle, and that's just a natural speed for them. And so for some of us, this disruption is an invitation to sprint in a way that we've always wanted to sprint. And the caution there is actually, we may not even notice how unhealthy it is for us until we're way far gone. I mean, I, I definitely, my first month, I'm like, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. This is great, this is great. And then last week, I'm lying on the tile floor in my office, struggling to breathe. I'm like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. Yeah, I definitely resonate with that because I think I have a similar temperament. I have, for the last three Urbanas, I've helped lead the crisis intervention team, which is uh, a group of mental health professionals that respond to mental health crises at Urbana, where there's over 10,000 people and we're on call 24-7. And so being wired that way, you you love that um, the crisis or that people are in crisis, but you love the ability to offer support to those people and know that you're wired that way. But it was really important for me to to take naps during the day when I wasn't on call and to choose out of going to some sessions I might want to because I was focused on serving people there and not just going to the sessions for me. I find that I need to, you know, to, to kind of imitate some biblical language. I need to just not put stuff off, but I need to put stuff on. So for example, I've had some mornings where I've tried to schedule some off time where I'm just, I'm not going to work. And what I found is, so if I don't plan something in those off times, those times will fill up with work. Because there's an infinite amount of things that can be done. And we're trying to navigate this infinite amount of demand for help and support. And, you know, as someone who's wired to shepherd and pastor, I find it really hard to not say yes to every opportunity to help. There's always a lot of need. And in a time like this, there the need is just endless that we can intend to and offer our, our gifts that God gave us. And I think in some ways, that's why it's so important for us to try to get clarity from God of, in this moment, what is mine to take care of? And what is yours that you're calling me to let go of and trust that you'll take care of it? I think there's also some wisdom in inviting others into that conversation because in some ways I'm like one of those seagulls from the uh, Pixar movies. Yeah, that's just like, mine, 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 mine. <laughs> yeah. Well, Steve, it's so good to talk to you today and um, thank you for your vulnerability and sharing with folks. I know for me, I prefer to be the host because you don't necessarily have to go there. Your job is to invite people to be vulnerable, um, but I'm thankful that you chose to put yourself in the vulnerability seat. Yeah, thanks for being willing to do this, Peggy. I know you also have a whole lot going on with your responsibilities with learning and talent, the Art of Vin, little plug for Art of Vin there, a fantastic podcast available wherever podcasts are downloadable. <laughs> Not sold. <laughs> it's for Not free. Sold. <laughs> Thanks. Yep. All right. Thanks, Peggy. <laughs>